In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen, good morning, happy feast day, and also a happy name day to all those who the Virgin Mary is their patron saint. My beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, we have faced death up close and personal twice in one week as a church community. And on this occasion of the feast of the falling asleep or dormition of the Mother of God, it seems appropriate that we would take pause for a few moments to reflect on death, to reflect on our own death, our understanding of death, our preparation for that eventuality that will come to each of us. Jesus wept at death. He wept at the death of his friend Lazarus. In today's world, however, even among many Christians, there are very few funerals anymore. Only celebrations of life. Generally speaking, in America, it seems that we cannot face death. It's something that has been removed from our life experience by nursing homes, by hospitals, by funeral homes, and the like. And, and I'm not saying that any of these institutions are bad, or that the people who work in them, or employed by them, are bad. But what I am saying is that we rarely or no longer touch death. We don't want to touch death. And so we no longer remember how to respond to it or deal with it in a Christian manner. I remember attending a funeral a number of years ago for a former parishioner who had subsequently joined a large independent church at least I thought I was going to attend a funeral. Instead, I came into a church that looked like a gym or an auditorium to the celebratory sound of rock and roll, Jesus music. There was no casket, no flowers, no tears, no sorrow, no grief. Well, there was a little bit of grief. Grief in my heart over what has happened to us as a nation. Jesus wept. He wept when his friend died. And there's nothing more Christian, nothing more Christ-like than to weep at the grave of a friend. Why? Well, to answer that, we need to look at three false views of death prevalent in our society today and prevalent throughout the ages 
throughout the history of mankind, false views that even we as Christians have from time to time tended to embrace. The first is death as the end of existence. But this life is but a shadow of the life to come, of the fullness of the kingdom of God in the age to come. Our death is not the end of existence. We say in the Nicene Creed, and we're going to say it in a few minutes, and I believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. This is what we believe. A second false notion is death as the liberation of the soul from the body. The liberation of the soul from the body. Death, though, is not some kind of metamorphosis into a spiritual state of being, but rather it is a rupture of the soul from the body. Rupture. This idea of metamorphosis is an explanation of death that comes from Hinduism. And if Hinduism is right, then there is no need for a resurrection because we have transformed into a superior state of being. And there is no virtue in visiting the graves of those we love but see no longer. The priest, as he places the holy gifts, that is, the bread and the wine, on the altar at the conclusion of the great entrance of the divine liturgy, he recites the following. In the grave of Jesus Christ, in the grave with thy body, in Hades with thy soul as God, in paradise with the thief, and on the throne with the Father and the Spirit. Thou, O Christ, art uncircumscribed and fill all things. He's everywhere. And just as the divine person of Jesus Christ was neither separated from his soul in Hades, nor separated from his body in the grave, so... No human person, no human person is separated from his soul or his body in death, but the soul is separated from the body. And this is the definition of death, and it is a mystery. That's why we don't understand it. That's why we say, how can this be? Because it is a mystery. There are those who are alive and walk this earth, but they are spiritually dead. While there are at the same time those who lie in the darkness of the grave, but are spiritually alive in Christ and draw comfort in their souls from the light of his countenance while they await the trumpet call on the last day. 
A third false notion is death as being natural. Since death happens to everybody, some say it's therefore natural. Makes sense, doesn't it? Except that death is a mystery. What about Enoch? And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. What about Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration? We read that Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And God buried him in the valley in the land of Moab over Beth Peor, but no man knows of his sepulcher until this day. While it is true that Moses died, his death is a mystery. And Elijah was carried up in the heaven in a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Where are their graves? Where are their bones? When God created man, he created him to live forever. And death is something that man brought upon himself. Death is not natural. Death is the enemy. And God became a man to defeat death. Jesus destroyed the power of death by his death. And in Christ there is no sting in death, and the grave is not victorious. Christ is the victor, and in union with him our death is transformed. In him our death is transformed. Death for a Christian is sorrowful, but not as those who have no hope. As we kneel at the foot of the cross especially on that great and holy Friday. We experience the greatest tragedy and the greatest beauty of all time. The greatest sorrow and the greatest joy in a simultaneous piercing of the heart. In Christian death, we are united to and experience the same tragic beauty and sorrowful joy. Tragic beauty, sorrowful joy. How do you mix those things in Christ at the foot of the cross? And our death becomes a passage from the old life into the new, the great entrance, a great entrance into the light of the countenance of God awaiting the hope of the resurrection. Here's the hymn for Lazarus. Christ our God, when thou didst raise Lazarus from the dead before thy passion, thou didst be confirm the universal resurrection. Wherefore we, like children, Carry the signs of triumph and victory and cry out to thee, O vanquisher of death. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
St. Nikolai says this about death. It's a story. A devout elder lay on his bed, his friends gathered around him and mourned, and with that the elder laughed three times. The monks asked him, What are you laughing at? And the elder replied, I laughed the first time because you are all afraid of death. And the second time, because none of you are prepared for death. And the third time, because I am going from labor to rest. Behold how a righteous man dies. He's not afraid of death. He's prepared for death. He sees that through death he passes from a difficult life into eternal rest. And when the nature of man imagines itself in its original state in paradise, then death is unnatural. The same way that sin is unnatural. Death emanated from sin. Repented and cleansed from sin, man does not consider death annihilation, but the gate to eternal life. Today we celebrate the passage of our spiritual mother from the old into the new. Her great entrance into the heavenly places to stand as the queen of heaven at the right hand of her Son, our Lord and God and Savior Jesus Christ, who sits at the right hand of the Father on the throne of glory, we, together with the apostles, weep over our loss and at the same time rejoice in her exaltation. And our loss is transformed into gain because then she stands before the right hand of Christ interceding for us and for our salvation. She was not given over to corruption at all because of her purity and was raised body and soul into the heights of heaven. We, however, are given over to corruption in the grave, but only for a time since all will be raised from the dead on the last day, the question before us is whether or not we will be led into a eternal punishment with the devil and his angels or into everlasting life together with our spiritual mother, our most blessed and glorious Lady Theotokos and ever-Virgin Mary, with all the saints on that dread and last day of the Lord. And this is a question that we must face. Are we ready? Has each of us in our mind's eye looked down into the casket and seen ourselves lying, breathless, motionless, helpless? What will be our eulogy? What will be our legacy? What will be our silent message to our descendants and our friends on that day of reckoning when they look down at us 
lying in the casket. We must be ready. Ready to meet our Maker. We must get ready now. We must be prepared. We must not fear death, but rather fear the judgment. And so what to you and to me? How can we apply this directly to our lives on this day? Let us be humble. Let us commend ourselves to God as we pray all the time. Let us not trust in our own deeds. Let us cry out for the Lord's mercy, especially for mercy at the time of the departure of our soul from our body. Let us clothe ourselves with virtue as our Holy Mother clothed herself with virtue. Let us clothe our souls with chastity, meekness, compassion, sanctity, piety, devotion to God's will. Let us, like our Holy Mother, accept all that comes upon us, whether it be joy or pain, as coming from God. Let us not be jubilant in our joy, nor murmur in our pain, but rather remain silent as she remained silent and laid all these things up in her heart. Finally, let us heed her advice to the servants at the wedding of Cana and do whatever the Lord tells us to do. In that, will we not find ourselves in the will of God at our death? Most Holy Virgin Theotokos, help us that we may be like thee, submissive to the will of God. To thy Son and Lord, through thee be glory and praise now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen.